All right, how are you guys doing this morning? Hey. Hey, my name is Savut, and I am one of the pastors here. I'm the college and young adult pastor. And Pastor Corey asked me this morning, to, this weekend, to share my story. And so I'm gonna do that through the book of Colossians, okay? And so that's where we'll be at today. Um, but before we jump in, I wanna tell you a little bit about where I've been in ministry and kind of just update you on some things in my life. And, and so actually about three months ago, my wife, Allison, asked me, uh, hey, would you ever teach on uh, main stage uh, on the weekends? And I told her, I was like, probably not. And if I do, maybe in five years, right? Uh, and then that following week, Corey asked me, and he said, hey, would you share, would you teach on the weekends? And I was like, Corey, if you want me to, I can, all right? And so here I am, I'm excited. And here's the reality of, of the Bible, of who God is and worship. <clears throat> Any opportunity we have to open up this word together is a gift from God, right? Not just here, but also in our own time, right? The fact that we have this gift given to us, we take that for granted. And so I'm so excited to just be here this morning to share how good God is, all right? And so um, and even when we're worshiping, guys, those, those last two songs, like especially when we sing a song like Broken Vessels for Christians, when we realize that we were once lost and now we're found, that's a miracle, right? Become, to, to, to be spiritually dead and that only God is able to bring us to spiritual life. That's a miracle. And when we sing that, we should be in awe and be reminded of how good God is. And the second song, the, the you know, last song we sang, So Will I. That's a beautiful picture of the entire gospel. And I love some version that talks about, if you gladly chose surrender, then so will I. And that's kind of what I'll be sharing uh, with you guys this morning. Uh, and so when I was in college, when I became a Christian and I went to college, I was a Young Life leader, right? And so I led Young Life for about four years, and I absolutely loved the high schoolers, right? We walked with high school students, and it was a great time. And I told myself, like, man, I just want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't want to do anything else, right? I love high schoolers. Well, then I graduated college, and then God opened a door for me to join this team to be on the chil- to, to lead children ministry, right? And so I was like, man, I really love kids. I love dancing with the kids. I love sharing the gospel with them. I love pointing to the truth. And it was, it's been great, really, for the past uh, five years I've been on this team to watch those families grow, right? I still have connections with those families that I got to walk with. And again, I was like, man, I love high schoolers and I love kids. I don't know if I can do anything else, right? And then six months into that, God opened a door because the team here asked me, the staff, they said, hey, we need a middle school pastor. Do you, would you like to do that? And I was like, I don't know about middle schoolers, right? They're weird. They probably smell bad, right? So, so really, that's the reputation that middle schoolers have, right? So I, I was nervous, but I said, let me step in, and if this is what God wants me to do, I'll do it. So I led middle school for four years, right? I was a pastor for four years, and it was the best. I loved every single minute of it, right? Yes, they smell weird, whatever, but, but the reality is, do we know what is going on in this world? Do we know what the world is feeding our kids and our youth? They're feeding them trash and telling them, this is what you should do. This is who you really are. Do this and you'll be good, right? And so for me, I saw that as an opportunity to, when God provided me some awesome leaders to share the gospel with them, to point them to the truth of who God says they are and point them to the Bible, right? Every single time I got to walk with them. So I loved it. And then, then again, literally, man, I love where I'm at, God. I found a lot of joy leading the middle school group here. And I wanna do this for a long time. Right? And so then 2020, a lot of things have changed, right? And so there's been, I know it's been an exhausting year for a lot of us, but in 2020, I want to share two changes, right, that, that, that I'm grateful for. The first one is uh, in June, the doors opened for me to step into the college and young adult ministry here, okay? And so I, man, I did not want to leave middle school, but I said, God, what do you want me to do? 
because this is all about you. This is not about me. It's not about how comfortable I feel or where I find joy. I want to find joy in what you want me to do. And so I stepped into the college and adult ministry, and I've absolutely loved diving into the word with them, okay? Now, the next big change in my life, this is the second best decision I've ever made in my life, second to following Christ, right? And so on August 14th, I married Allison, and it's been the best time, right? So I got married, and it was a beautiful time. And so this gift of marriage was great, and so I've been married for three months now, and she still likes me, right? So, so we're doing good, okay? So... Um, anyways, so this, this morning, this is not normal. This is your first time here. I'm normally not up, up here, Pastor Corey is, but we also go through books of the Bible, right? So we go through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, line by line, verse by verse. And I love that we do that as a church because we don't skip over hard stuff. We talk about things that get uncomfortable, but that's the Bible and that's what we want to teach, okay? Uh, and so, but I want to do my best to, today to, to share my story to the book of Colossians, okay? So before we jump in, I want to talk about last week, Corey closed out Matthew 24, and he talked about this idea of Christian atheists. The question is, do we say we believe in the word, right? Do we know what the Bible says, but we live like things in it will never come to pass? Basically, like, man, our lives do not reflect what we believe. Our lives don't reflect the word of God. So a lot of us, we know what's right. We know what's good. We know what's true. But sometimes we're like, I don't actually know if God can deliver me from this. I actually don't know if God can rescue me from this to this, right? I actually don't believe, maybe I don't know that, right? And so for us, we live lives like that. And so that's Christian atheism. Now, today, I want to share, this is the main point today. If we, so Christians, right? If we have been rescued from darkness into his kingdom, then what do we do now, right? So if we've been rescued from darkness into his kingdom, what do we do now, all right? So you guys can turn, so some of you guys should have got a, um, a note handout, you can check that out, or if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 1, and then you also have it on the app, all right? So we'll be in uh, Colossians 1, 3, and 4, so different parts of it. All right, let's pray before we jump into God's Word. God, thank you so much for how good you are. God, thank you for uh, the truth of some people in here that, that you've rescued them from darkness into your kingdom, Lord, and we praise you for that miracle. Thank you for your Word, the gift that you've given to us. And God, I'm so, so grateful for who you are and how you love us and how you know us. And God, I pray that you would be with us this morning, that this morning, today, it is all about you, that you would speak through me to show how good you are. Lord, we love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before we read this part, there's a section in here that is incredible, right? The section that talks about the supremacy of Christ and how powerful and how good Jesus Christ is. And especially in this time, in this world right now, we need to be reminded of how good he is, okay? And so if you don't get anything from, from the lesson today, then go home and dwell on this part of scripture right here, okay? So let's jump in, verse 13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace 
through his blood shed on the cross. And once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So this idea of being rescued from the domain of darkness into his kingdom, right? That's great to read, but the, the reality and the truth is that's not everyone's story in this world, and that's probably not everyone's story in a room this size, okay? Because some of us in this room, we are still surrendered to the domain of darkness. We have not surrendered our lives into his kingdom yet, right? And so we're still living like the world. We're still living as really part of the world. But the good news is this is a gift that is offered to everyone, right? That's the great news of the gospel, that this gift is offered to you in here and the people listening online. So no matter, so maybe you walked in here and you're like, man, I'm messed up, right? A lot of my life is crap. There's a lot of things going on. I've done all these things. The good news is this gift to be rescued from the domain of darkness of his kingdom is offered to you too because we were created by him, through him. We were created through him and for him. We were created by God for a relationship with God. And that is only possible to be reconciled back to our perfect father by God putting his own son on the cross for us, right? And so it is because of Jesus Christ that we have this opportunity to receive this gift. So this, is what, this was a gift that I received in 2011, all right? So this is a little bit about my, my background here. So I was raised in a Buddhist home. So we grew up, obviously did not know God. And I was raised in a dysfunctional home, dysfunctional, dysfunctional family. When I was about six, my mom got into a bad car accident that left her paralyzed from her neck down on her left side. And that changed everything, okay? That changed everything for her because she was no longer able to be physically present. But that also changed everything for my dad because he was no longer able to be mentally present. And he took his anger out on the kids. And so for us, we experienced physical abuse and verbal abuse, and there's a lot of chaos in our home. And because of this, I just wanted to escape, right? I didn't want to be present with my family. I didn't want, to, I didn't want anything to do with them. And so I had this strong desire to be known and to be loved. Guys, do we feel that sometimes? Do we have a desire to be known and to be loved? Here's the good news today. God knows you, and he loves you. God knows you, knows everything you're going through, knows what you're going through right now, and he says he loves you. But some of us in here, we're living lives constantly trying to be known by the world, trying to get someone's attention when we have the attention of the perfect father, right? And so I have that desire to be known and to be loved. I, I, I know what you're walking through right now. Here's the good news in my life. Someone stepped in. So I, I went into high school not wanting to be around people. I didn't trust people. I didn't care about people. I was antisocial. I sat at a lunch table by myself every time. But someone stepped in and someone shared God's love. And here's what, so his name is Jim, this older guy. Here's what he did. He did not come in and say the first conversation, Savut, do you know Jesus Christ? Because if he did that, I would be like, I don't know Jesus, but I don't want to be around you because you're weird. Don't talk to me about Jesus, right? But, but he didn't do that. He also didn't say, hey, you don't, do you know Jesus? Because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. He didn't tell me that. Here's what he did. Hey, what's your name? Hey, who are you? Hey, tell me about yourself. Right? So the first two years of my life, I lied to him. Right? I said, life's great. Honestly, because I didn't want him to talk to me. I didn't trust him. Life's great. But he kept showing up once a week. Right? Sophomore year, junior year, senior year of high school, I realized that desire to be known and to be loved is right here. This guy knows me. He wants to know me. He wants to spend time with me. And he's constantly trying to say, hey, I, I love you. I want to be with you. I want to get to know you more. So because of that, I started opening up my life. Right? I said, hey, here's who I am. Here's my family. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's where I need help in this life. 
So I asked him, hey, do you, I want to go to church with you, right? And, and this question to go to church was not to know more about Jesus. I didn't want to have a relationship with Jesus at this time. I just wanted to be surrounded by love. So I started being around him a little bit more. Then I graduated uh, high school, and I went to a Young Life camp. And at this Young Life camp, I heard the gospel clearly for the first time. Everything was removed, right? All the distractions were gone. And I heard the gospel. And here's what I heard. I heard the reality of sin, the reality of who I am, and then the reality of who God is, and that he would put his son on the cross to offer me new life, right? But not only that, 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 that he conquered death and he's a God that's alive that we can talk to. And so I said, okay, I, I want that. And so I surrendered and I said, God, I, I just want a relationship with you. I don't wanna continue doing what I'm doing. So when I received this gift for me, all right, I, I, you know what I said? I said, all right, I'm ready to live for Jesus, right? M- many of us probably been there. All right, I'm ready to live for Jesus. I'm ready to share the gospel. Let's do this. Here's what I did. I didn't surrender all of my life right? I just wanted to step into a relationship, but I didn't surrender everything of my life. And I tried to be God. Because for me, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm supposed to share the gospel, right? So let's try to share the gospel with my family. That's not a good idea, right? In the, in the first year, I had no idea who Christ was. So for me to try to share the gospel without knowing the gospel is a dangerous thing, right? A lot of us try to do that. We're like, all right, I'm supposed to share the gospel. Let's just do it. But we're not really knowing who he is and knowing what we're sharing, right? We don't know what the truth says, and, th- and so that first year of being a Christian, guys, I was more of a cultural Christian. I was exhausted. I was lonely. I was confused. And through three different conversations, God got my attention. And he asked me two questions, all right? And the first question was, Savut, do you trust me with your family? And the reason he asked me that was because I was trying to be the peacemaker. I was trying to be the savior of my family. And here's the thing. We are not the savior of anyone. Only God can save, right? Salvation belongs to God and God alone, so I realized that and I said, okay, I need to stop trying to control and manipulate situations. I'm going to step back and say, all right, I trust you, God. So the second question was, do you trust me with community? Because for me, I did life alone a lot, right? I was in my room. I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I was used to that isolation. And that is not the way that God designed us for, for a life by yourself, right? We're designed for community. And so I said, okay, these two questions, you got my attention, God. Here's what I'm going to do. So I surrendered, right? Because the reality for Christians, if we want to live for Jesus, we have to live with him. We have to say, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. Give me wisdom. So I surrender and I pray for my family. That's the first thing I did. All right, God, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not their savior. I'm not their God. You are, and I'm going to surrender to you. But I'm going to pray for them by name. And then I was no longer isolated because I said, God, I need a community. God, give me some people to walk with. I need an older guy in my life to show me how to do life. I have no idea what it looks like to be a man. I have no, no idea what it looks like to one day be a husband. I have no idea about what it looks like to really fall in love with you, Christ. And so in 2012, I surrendered, right? And God provided. Here's what he provided me with, this community, right? This church here. He provided me with an awesome mentor that's been walking me for the past nine years, eight years now. And in the past eight years, God has rescued five other family members in my life, right? In my family. And he continues to open doors. Right, so next weekend, this is awesome. Next weekend, my wife is going to baptize my little cousin, right? And so, and I share this with you guys, right? I share this with you guys because of of a lot of things. One, anyone, Jesus says, anyone who finds his life will lose it. That's what I tried to do for 18 years. I tried to find my life. And then when I became a Christian, I tried to find my life by doing religious stuff. Christians, if we try to do that, if we try to set the standards based off of what the world says, we're going to lose our life. 
but anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. And that's what I realized. Hey, this life, I was created by God for God and for a relationship with him. And it, it is all about him. And so when I realized that and I surrendered, that's where we find true life. And so I also want to share this hope for salvation, guys. Do we have people in our lives that we think are too far gone? Think about it. Is it a family member that you're like, man, that person is too far gone. There's no way they would ever come to church. There's no way that God can rescue them. Is it friends? Is it coworkers? Who is it in our lives that we say they're too far gone? They have no shot at a relationship with Christ. Think about that statement. Do not put a limit on what God can do. Amen. And so Paul, the chief of sinners, right? This, this guy, the chief of sinners, murdered Christians, persecuted the church. If God rescued him from darkness to his kingdom and uses him to write a lot of the New Testament, that should open our eyes. Look at the life of David. Look at the life of Moses. These people in the Bible that were like, yes, they're heroes, but look who they were. And look how God has used them. And so people are not too far gone, guys. We cannot outsend the cross. So do not lose heart in God's ability to save. Don't lose heart in God's ability to save. He is still performing miracles. When someone goes from spiritually dead to spiritual life, that's a miracle. And God is still doing that. And so he doesn't just rescue us from darkness into his kingdom, but he also rescues us from our old life. And here's what I mean by that. In, in my life, when I became a Christian, I thought that life would be really easy now, right? Like, all oh, my struggles go away. Yes, I'm ready for this. But that's not the truth of the Bible. That's not what the Bible promises. It does not promise an easy and comfortable life. This life is not about us, okay? And so I still had struggles, and so I want to share some of my struggles with you guys and be vulnerable here. So let's jump to Colossians 3. You're going to go through verses 1 through 7. And Paul says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. And so in my life, I had struggles, okay? At the, at the age of 11, I was introduced to pornography, right? And I, start, and I started become, it became an addiction as, my, as the years continued to grow. When I became a Christian at 18, I was like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to do this anymore, right? Okay, I'm supposed to put this thing to death. But for me, I didn't know how to do that. So the first five years of being a Christian was exhausting, right? I had, a, I had a lonely time. I had no idea. I wanted to give up, right? Because here's the reality. That sin that we think is just between, oh, it just affects me. And it's, maybe it's computer. It's just me. It's not a big deal. That's a lie. It destroys everything. It destroys relationships around us. It destroys how we see people. Regardless of what that sin is, it grows. And that's the point of sin. It wants to destroy your life. And so when I realized that in the midst of this darkness, words from the past started to confuse my identity. The words that my dad said about me growing up, it came back to surface. The words that my family said about me, it came back to surface. The words that my friends said about me in high school, they all came back to surface in the midst of this darkness. And I was confused about who I was, okay? And so I wanted to give up. I said, I don't wanna do this anymore. This is awful. But someone listened. 
And once a week, remember I, I said I prayed for a mentor and God provided me a mentor in 2012. And once a week for three years, the first three years of being, being a Christian, wrestling with this, my mentor listened and he prayed. That's what he did. He listened and he prayed at a coffee shop. I remember coming to him and saying, hey, Scott, I am wrestling with this over and over and I have no idea what to do. And then there was a week uh, he, where, where God said, hey, I want you to share this part of your life with Scott. This is something I've never shared with him before. And I said, I don't want to share that. And he said, hey, share this with Scott. And the reason I was hesitant was because I'm used to people walking away. Anybody feel that? I'm used to people walking away. I'm used to people, uh, when they really know who I am, abandon me. And I shared this thing with Scott crying. And he looked at me in the eyes. And his response was, I love you. And his response was, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I'm walking with you. Amen. And that's what his, that, that was his response was, right? And so not only did Scott not abandon me, he reminded me of the truth that God does not abandon me, right? And that's the truth for us. Christ will not leave us nor forsake us. He's here. He's ready. He wants to rescue us. And so Scott pointed me to the one who can restore and rescue and give me, and he gave me hope. And I remember sitting down and Scott praying for me and walking with me during these first four or five years. And he said, hey, one day I, I believe you'll find freedom from this. And I was like, no, I'm so overwhelmed with this. And then he said, hey, one day I believe you'll share this in front of a lot of people. And I said, no, I'd never do that, right? And here I am to celebrate almost five years of freedom for pornography, right? And so the question I have for us, guys, is what are we struggling with? And when I was writing this, I said, okay, I, I need to write down a lot of lists of things that I think this culture or this church is struggling with, but I don't have to do that. Paul, Paul already did that. He said, put to death what is in your earthly nature. Here's what he said. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. So in a room this size, I know that a lot of us are probably wrestling with some of these things. I get it. So I want to address one thing. What is sexual immorality? Because that's a lot of my story, and that's what I think the culture is really confused about right now. So what is sexual immorality? Sometimes when we, when we have questions like this, we need to go to the source. How did God design sex? What is sex? Sex is a good gift from God only in the confines of marriage. So that means the confines of marriage, which means one man, one woman in marriage in a covenantal relationship. That's God's design for sex. All right? And so if you're, and I have people come to me and say, hey, what if I love this person? I'm going to marry them one day. Why can't we have sex? Is that one man, one woman in the confines of marriage? That's not how God designed it. What about same sex? One man, one woman. It's not. And then pornography. So I can keep going on and on and talking about this. But here's the thing. If we are going to be rescued from the domain of darkness into his kingdom, then we're going to surrender to his kingdom, right? And how he designed it and what the truth says, because that doesn't change. But what if I don't feel it? But what if I want to, want to pick and choose what the Bible says? No, then that's your kingdom, right? So you haven't fully surrendered, okay? So if you want to say, I'm rescued from the domain of darkness to his kingdom, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? This is all about you. So are we exhausted? What are you wrestling with in here, guys? Are we exhausted? Because I was for a long time, and maybe you're similar to me. For me, I thought if I could just try harder, then I can do this. I also thought that if I could just focus on trying not to sin, I can do this. But think about that statement. If I can just focus on trying not to sin, I can do this. The first thing on my mind then would be sin, would be the thing I'm trying to avoid. And it's not Christ. And so I believe that if I can put to death this thing, we all have different things we wrestle with. If I can put to death this thing, 
then I will be able to see Christ. Sometimes we believe, I gotta fix myself before I can come to church. But we got it backwards, guys. We got it backwards. Paul says here, so if you have been raised with Christ, that's the first thing you have to understand. I need to surrender my life and be raised with him. So if we've been raised with Christ, Paul says, seek the things above, set your minds on him, and then the next thing comes, right? Verses five through seven, you will put to death these things. You'll put to death your old life and your earthly natures. So for me, I realized I need to surrender to Christ, fall in love with him, and then I will have his desires. I will see people the way that he sees people. I will want what he wants, and I will no longer want my old life because I'm gonna put that to death because that life is trash, right? So that's the same thing for us. Whatever you're wrestling with, realize, hey, I have to be raised with Christ and seek my eyes on him instead of trying so hard to do this. Because here's the reality. Our best, our best efforts compared to God is trash, right? Because there's nothing good inside of us except the Holy Spirit. And so why, Christians, do we rely so much on trying hard and trying to do better when we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us? Ask for his help. That's what he wants to do. So why do I share this, guys? Because non-believers and Christ followers who try by their own effort will not find freedom. Because if, if Christians are just trying by their own effort, you're not really in a relationship with God. You're not really relying on him. You're just more religious. Christ followers, however, who do surrender and ask for his Holy Spirit to help will find freedom. That's the truth. The truth will set you free. So don't do this alone, guys. Do not do this alone. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Isolate, fight alone, do it by yourself. Find people to walk with you that will listen and pray, that will encourage you, that will point you to the truth. And then whatever you're wrestling with in here, guys, if you put your hope in Christ, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Do not give up. So he doesn't just rescue us from darkness to his kingdom and then rescue from, from our old life to give us new life. And because of that new life, guys, he also rescues us to do something about it, to be the light, to share the gospel, right? And so let's go to Colossians 4 and we'll finish verses two through six here. So Colossians 4 says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Because the reality, guys, is when we Christians are delivered from, his king, or from, from darkness into his kingdom, it is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. So as we mature in our relationship with God, guys, he's going to give us his desires and life can get uncomfortable because what God wants a lot of times goes against our flesh, goes against our flesh and it gets uncomfortable. Sometimes he's gonna encourage us and, 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 and reveal to us we need to pray for people that we don't wanna pray for. And he's also going to push us to love people we would rather not associate with. Right? So I'm going to address that in this room and in 2020. A lot of division in this world right now. So maybe you were raised a certain way or maybe you, your, your flesh believes this. But if you are in his image and if you are in Christ and in his kingdom, we're to love every single human being. Does not matter what their skin color is. It does not matter what, their, uh, what, what politics like they believe in. 
right? It doesn't matter what, they're part of this group or they're non-believers or they're with a different religion. None of that matters because everyone is made in the image of God, right? And so we just sang a song, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. So we sing that, but do we live that out, right? If we gladly, if, if he gave his life, if Christ gave his life to love everybody, so will I. Christians, do it. And for me, five years ago, this prayer that God told me to pray, he said, pray for your dad by name out loud. And, I was, and that was the one person in my life that I did not care to have a relationship with. Had a lot of bitterness in my heart. And I said, I don't know if I can do that. And God said, Savut, pray for your dad out loud by name. And so I did. And here's how the prayer went. It was more, God, forgive me for the bitterness that's in my heart towards him. God, remove this. Give me a new heart because this is not from you. So Christians, the bitterness and the hatred that's in our heart, that's not from God. We have to ask God for a new heart to give us his eyes the way that he sees people. So I prayed for my dad. That was five years ago. Now, Paul's prayer request here is a great example for us. This is a guy who's in prison, okay? And this is his prayer request. Pray also for us that God may open a door to share the gospel. Man, Paul's cool because honestly, if I was Paul, I said, I'm not praying that. God, get me out of prison, right? That's my prayer request. Or God, give me better food. God, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Christians, does that, does that sound familiar? When life gets uncomfortable, when life gets a little hard, we pray, God, get me out of here. I just want to escape. But look at Paul's example. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Imagine if Christians did that. And so regardless of where we are and what we're going through, I know it, life is hard, but regardless of where you are and, and what you're going through, if you are a Christ follower, we are all called to share the gospel and to make disciples, right? So we, we can't keep having excuses. Paul says to be devoted in prayer. This is a big deal. Is prayer a religious thing we do? Or is it because of a loving relationship we have with Christ? Now, when it comes to this religious thing that we do, I, I fall into that trap a lot, okay? There are moments I'm like, I'm just, I'll come to church, I'll pray, I'm with Christians, I'll pray. Or right before I eat a meal, I pray. And that's the worst one, because sometimes I'm hungry, and I'm like, I just want to pray. God, thank you for this food, amen. And I jump in to eat. Like, I have to ask, my, God, forgive me for that. Because if it was a loving relationship with Christ, it's a conversation, and we should be in awe every single time we talk to God. Because that gift has been offered to us, that he would rescue us, right? That we were once lost and now we're found. We should be in awe of how good God is. Amen. And so don't, and so I, I've been asking myself, you know, I taught uh, the college group of a few weeks ago and I said, why, why do we not pray a lot? Why do I not talk to God and share my life with him as much as I should? Here's two reasons. One, we actually don't know what's around us. What do I mean by that? Do we understand that there's an enemy in this world seeking to devour us and our families. Do we understand that? Do we know that there's a spiritual battle going on? Because if we did, we would pray for our families more. We would pray that God would protect their minds. We would pray that God would protect us from these spiritual battles, okay? But don't give the devil way too much credit, though. He's not everywhere. Sometimes we're just being foolish, foolish right? The decisions we make, the things we do are just foolish. It's not wise. So that's the first thing. The second thing is pride gets in the way. Don't believe that you got this. Because we never got this, right? We don't got this. God got this. He, he's the one that is in control. He's the one that is able to. If we rely on our own effort, we will struggle. We will fall into temptation. So we don't got this. But the world will tell you that, right? 
Like Corey said a few weeks ago, the society is going to get darker and darker and darker, right? But the gospel continues to grow, okay? So the world will continue to tell you it's all about yourself. You can do it, but we can only do it with the help of Christ. So then we, when we pray for doors to open, guys, to share Christ, what do we do next? Will we make excuses? I've heard a lot of that. I've, I've made a lot of excuses myself. I'm too tired. It's 2020. I don't want to share the gospel. I'm too exhausted. My family's crazy. My life's crazy. My work's crazy. Right? We can make all these excuses, but, but if we're going to ask God to open doors, are we going to make excuses? Or are we going to walk through the doors with the help of the Holy Spirit? That's the big part, with his help. Because when God opened doors, some of us walked through and we're like, all right, I got this now. But we can't do that. We have to continue to be desperately dependent on him. And so my prayer five years ago, guys, for my, my heart towards my dad was on purpose. Because God opened doors for, for me and my relationship with my dad. And here's what happened. So uh, August 13th was, was our dinner rehearsal. And my dad showed up. And it was good to see him. We talked a little bit. And he heard about what the community of, of people that God provided for me said about me and Allison. So maybe he learned a little bit, a little bit more about my life. And then uh, at the ceremony on August 14th, the day of our marriage, I was sitting up front, all right, standing up front at, on, on the stage. And um, when, when the doors opened, really when the music started playing, but when doors opened and Allison started walking down, I cried the whole time, the entire service, right? But here's why I cried, guys. I cried because I realized where I was and who God is and how he rescued me. I was once lost, but now I'm found, right? And I cried because he set me free for my struggles. And I also cried because he gave me this gift of marriage with a beautiful woman who loves God, who is patient with me, who is gracious with me, and who would choose to say yes to forever with me, right? And so that's why I was in tears, but my dad was there and he saw that. So then we're going to our honeymoon, right? And we're going to Disney, okay? And Disney's awesome. And then... Um, and so just keep in mind, my dad has never called me and he's never really talked to me growing up. My dad on my honeymoon calls me five times, right? And I'm like, what does my dad want? I'm on my honeymoon, don't call me, right? <laughs> so I text, I text my brother. I'm like, hey, is dad okay? Like, what's, what's going on? And he goes, he just wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. That's... So then we, we return from my honeymoon and I give my dad a call. One of the first things I do. And I give him a call and I say, hey, dad, what's up? And he says, hey, man, like, your wedding was awesome. I really love being there. And I was like, that's, that's cool. I'm glad you were there. And then he asked questions. He said, hey, how was your honeymoon? How's Allison doing? I really love Allison. So we're walking around the grocery store and five minutes, a five-minute conversation with my dad. And Al, I guess I, I got the phone and Allison says, that was weird. And I was like, I know, that was weird for me too, right? <laughs> and so two weeks later, my dad calls and he says, hey, I want to come over to your house and see where you and Allison live. I was like, yeah, come on over. And we spent an hour together there and it was awesome. And so God was opening doors. And then about a month and a half ago, God told me, hey, call your dad and ask him to hang out one-on-one. -on -one. And I was like, I'm not doing that. That's weird. I can't do that yet. I'm not there yet, God. And that's what I said. I said, no. And so I rested for three weeks. And, but God said, call your dad, ask him to hang out one-on-one. -on -one. So I did. On a Monday night, I said, dad, what are you doing tomorrow night? And, and he says, no, I'm not doing anything. And I said, do you want to get dinner? And he's like, yeah, is Allison coming with you? I was like, no, 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 just, just me and you. And he kept trying to make excuses, right? And me too. I was like, ah, if it doesn't work, that's okay. But, <laughs> but it was very clear that I was supposed to do this. And so anyways, here's the thing, guys. Man, I, I drove to Nashville. And on my way there, I prayed two things. One, God, thank you 
for this opportunity. And second thing I prayed was, God, I need your help. Be with me. I have no idea what to say. I have no idea what to do. But you've opened this door, and I want to walk through it. And for an hour and a half, as we're driving around Nashville, I asked him, Dad, who are you? I just wanted to know my dad. I had no agenda, right? I'm not here to save my dad. That's not my job. I'm not his savior. But I remember driving around and hearing his story and saying, Dad, who were you before you came to the United States? Dad, tell me about your childhood. Dad, tell me what you're wrestling with right now. Dad, who are you? Because I never got the opportunity growing up. And so in, my, in, in, that, in that hour and a half drive, that was the best time I had with my dad compared to the, re- the last 27 years combined. And it was a special moment because God opened doors. And so why do I share this part with you guys? Why do I share this part with you guys? Because there are people in our circles that are ready to throw in a towel. There are Christians in our lives that 2020 has been rough, so they chose to walk away. And listen, when I see people walk away from the church, it's not about this church. I don't, like, if people walk away, I hope they find a church to get connected to. But when they walk away from the entire church and say, I don't want God, that saddens my heart. And that's just sad in our hearts too. People are ready to throw in a towel. There's also non-believers in this world that have no idea who God is, so they're putting their hope in the world. And that's just sad in our hearts. But here's a question I have, because I've been guilty of this in 2020. Are we going to point fingers? Right, because what I did. Why would they leave? What are they doing? Are we going to point fingers? Are we going to step into their lives? All right, are we going to continue to point fingers and judge people? Or are we going to step into their lives and say, hey, tell me about your life right now. What's going on? I want to listen. And I want to pray with you. And also, guys, if we don't forgive others, I know life is hard. I know the church will hurt you. I know people will hurt you because people are messed up. I get it. We've been hurt. Are we going to forgive others? Because if we don't forgive others, we reveal that we don't trust in God's forgiveness for us. That's the truth. Because there's nothing in this world that people can do that says, hey, I can't forgive them. I can't believe they did that, right? Look at the cross. If we ever say, hey, God, show me how to forgive, ask him. And then if you say, God, why should I forgive? Look at what God did with his own son to put him on the cross to forgive all of us. But be wise, guys, be wise. I'm not saying to jump back into relationships, to unhealthy relationships. That's not what I'm saying. Here's the big deal, though. If God opens doors, will we, will we share Christ? Will we say, God, remove this bitterness from our heart. I want them to know who you are too. Will we do that? And so where are we, guys? Are we trying to find our life? Non-believers, are you trying to find your hope in worldly things? Here's the truth. You're not going to find any hope in this world. Christians, are you trying to find your life by just doing religious stuff? You're going, to be, you're going to be exhausted because you can't do this without God. And the more we try to find our life, we will lose it. Will we surrender? Will we surrender and lose our life because of Christ? 
Because be reminded, we were created by God for God. So when we realize that this life is not about us, that it's all about him, we will find our life. This life is not about us, guys. None of us in this room, we are not the point. But we want to be, right? We want to be the point. If I wanted to be the point in my marriage, it's a terrible marriage, right? It's the same for us. If we want to be the point in everywhere we go, that's not the life that God called us to be, right? Called us to live. This life is not about us. It's about him and sharing the gospel with others. But the good news is there is a new life available to us. When we, when we realize, hey, God has rescued me from this into his kingdom, then we're going to put to death our old life. We're going to put to death our old life, but only, we're only able to do that with his help, with his spirit. And the moment we say, we got this, is the moment we will go back to our old life. Because God has rescued me from pornography, yes, but the moment I say, all right, I'm good now, I can bring my computer home now. Or I'm good now, I don't need God's help anymore. It's the moment I'm giving the enemy a foothold and I'm going right back to my old life, okay? So we have to be reminded, hey, where has God rescued us from? How did he do it? Well, it was because of him. And why would I not want his help? And are we exhausted? 2020, I know, it's, it's exhausting. Are we exhausted? Here's the good news. Jesus says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says to take up my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice Jesus is not saying, hey, come to me. I will help you escape all the struggles. It's not what he says. He says, in the midst of your struggles, I have a new way to carry it, right? I want to walk with you through it. Take up my yoke. And then whoever needs to hear this tonight or, or this morning, guys, whatever you are wrestling with, if you put your hope in Christ, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Do not Give up, reach out, ask for God's help, and ask him to provide you with a community. And then Christians, we are called to be the light of the world in our lifetime here, especially in 2020. It is a dark season. This is what Jesus says, that you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And Corey said a few weeks ago, guys, the society, this world is gonna continue to get darker and darker and darker. But the truth of the Bible, the truth right here, is that Christians, we are called to be the light. So yes, it may get dark, but let's shine our light regardless of what's going on, right? Because we have our hope in Christ and the world that is lost. They don't know where to find hope, but we do. So let's share it with the world. So we are called to be the light. And sometimes, unfortunately, I think Christians this year, and many times, like, there's been weeks in my life this year where I said, I'm gonna put my light under a basket because I'm nervous, I'm scared, because I actually don't trust that God can do this, right? So let your light shine. But you guys bow your heads and close your eyes and we'll jump into to prayer. And so guys, I have no idea what you're wrestling with right now. I have no idea what you've come in here with, but the good news is God knows and he loves. God knows you and he loves you. And God can rescue you. So whatever you're wrestling with, whatever question you may have about God, about the Bible, to my right, your left, is Pastor Mike. Come up to him, ask him some questions. He will love 
to help you out in this life and walk with you and encourage you and point you to the truth. Remember, I said, do not do this life alone, guys. That's what the enemy wants. But we are not supposed to do this life alone in the midst of our darkest seasons. Wouldn't we want Christians to walk with us, to love us, to point us to what is good? And so both sides of the stage, we have men and women that are going to pray with you. If you want that, come up. And some of you guys, you guys have communion, communion cups in your hand. This is a gift from God to be reminded of the body and blood that was shed for us, that he put his son on the cross for us so that we can be reminded of him. All we ask is that you ask for forgiveness. And so take that moment to remember how good he is. And God, just thank you so much for the way that you love us. God, I know that this week is Thanksgiving and, and, and family uh, maybe coming to town or we may be going to spend time with family or some of us may not want to spend time with family. Lord, give us an opportunity to be with them. Give us an opportunity to share the gospel, to be a light, not just with our families, but, but in, in, the, in the rest of this world, in our workplace, in our schools, wherever we are at, Lord, give us opportunities to share the gospel and to be the light because this world needs it. God, we praise you because you have rescued some of us from darkness into your kingdom. But God, that gift is available to every single person that may not know you. Lord, we love you. Be with us, protect us, and give us a new heart to love people well. In Jesus' name, amen.